I'm Trevor Stevenson, and welcome to Your Story Will Be Different. This is a narrative play podcast where I tell you the story that came to be from playing a solo tabletop role-playing game. Today, we're going to close out the last chapter of Frico Lele's adventure on Utah. I hope you're excited. Let's dive right in. Snow fell off the top of Frico's hat as he shook it. The Nomad had trekked across Utah to confront the Trade Alliance representatives at SNWK4 about the unprofessional threat that he had received. He'd been doing this for a long time, and the respect given to the Nomad Guild members was a valuable part of how they were able to operate independently and autonomously. I don't know who it was. One of the Trade Alliance grunts retorted. It's above my pay grade. Not wanting to bite the hand that feeds him, Frico took a breath. Is there anyone around here who could help clear up this issue? The TA peon searched behind his podium for a moment before. Oh, wait. This was meant to be delivered to you a couple days ago. I think. You're Nomad 17711604? Frico hated it when clients referred to him by his guild number, but nodded and took the small holocube. As he stepped away for some privacy, he fired up the hollow. He was surprised to see the coordinates and an overlay of the sector of Utah. After a moment, the text faded into view that read, I can explain. Meet me here. If it weren't for the lethal cold and his current objective, Frico probably would have enjoyed making his way through the tundra outside. A weird bit of nostalgia creeped up at him as he saw the battlefield littered with starfighters. He checked the coordinates for a fourth time and saw that they corresponded with the glowing light coming from inside the husk of a former military transport ship. Inside, a campfire had been set up, but his contact was nowhere to be seen. Instinctively, the Kamano gunslinger ducked and rolled against a nearby wall. It saved his life. The claws of the white-furred Sharon barely missed the back of his duster. Sharon's trying to be stealthy are always good for a laugh. The assassin stood to her full height, her head nearly touching the top of the hold. Bounty on a bounty hunter. Seems like you asked the wrong questions. It happens. Under his coat, Frico's stun baton vibrated to life. The Charon roared as it charged, but it was short-lived as she bit her tongue when the voltage caused everything to convulse. She groaned in pain and didn't even see the laser pistol fire a shot between her eyes. As the intergalactic bounty hunter set up camp on the desolate frozen planet, he couldn't help but feel a sense of isolation and melancholy wash over him. The remnants of an intergalactic war lay scattered all around him, a grim reminder of the conflicts that had torn through this region of space. Rico's campsite was a makeshift affair, a small tent made out of reinforced polymer fabric that offered some protection against the biting cold. He had a portable heater humming softly inside, providing a semblance of warmth and his trusty blasters by his side. He waited out the night, keeping his eye on the site of his failed ambush in case the late Sharon wasn't working alone. As he gazed up at the night sky, he marveled at the haunting beauty of the frozen planet. The stars above twinkled like diamonds in the inky blackness their light reflecting off the shards of broken ships and debris that littered the landscape. Each piece of wreckage told a story of battles fought and lives lost, a grim testament to the brutality of the intergalactic conflict that had raged across the cosmos. As he settled in for the night, Frico couldn't shake the feeling that Utah held more secrets than he could ever uncover. 
The frozen planets seemed to whisper tales of forgotten battles and lost civilizations, and Frico couldn't help but wonder what other mysteries lay buried beneath the ice and snow. But for now, his focus was on the task at hand, and he drifted off to sleep beneath the cold, starry sky, ready to resume his pursuit of Isha Capre and her other conspirators. The next day, the peon at SNWK4 begged for his life. Please, I'm just the middleman. Someone paid me to keep an eye on the nomad contracts coming through and to stop anyone getting too close to Isha before she... The crackle of the stun baton next to his temple spurred the human to continue. Look, it's all done by dead trumps, but I know that she's going to be sending some ob shipments out from a launch point that the factions won't know to search. Despite the holes in some part of the human stories, the stream of urine creeping down his leg gave the nomad some assurance. Coordinates and you live. If this is another trap, you're going to join that Sharon out there. Locals spoke of the temple in hushed tones. Its structure was adorned with strange and enigmatic ruins, and the air seemed to hum with otherworldly whispers, as if the very walls held secrets of ages past. Frico stepped into the temple's eerie interior. He was immediately struck by the sense of foreboding. The flickering torchlight played tricks with the shadows, and the air seemed to shimmer with an unexplained energy. Mysterious runes adored the walls, their meaning hidden to all but long-lost civilizations that had built this place. Unseen whispers filled the temple, as though the very walls were sharing their secrets. Rico cautiously moved deeper into the temple's labyrinthine corridors. The nomad found Isha's right hand, an Ansia behemoth named Ayapato, was loading crates of weapons into a semi-scorched booster pod. There's no way to hide the sound of his steps as he approached. Ayapato stopped loading, adjusted his old Empire uniform, and his dozen or so eyes blinked in the dim light of the Great Hall. Valet. I guess I wasted some money for that hit. Where's Capre? She doesn't have a choice, you know. Some people very high up are forcing her to play both sides. Ayapato sighed and grabbed a metal rod as thick as Frico's neck. The showdown was inevitable. The brute closed the distance between them with a quickness unnatural for someone of his enormous stature. The first swing would have taken off Frico's head if he hadn't ducked. Instead, his hat flew across the room and his stun baton crackled to life. An upward swing didn't connect with Ayapato, and he sidestepped for another crushing attack. A deflection with the baton allowed the two to get some space between them. It was then that the temple emitted a low, deep rumble one of the colossal walls moved to the side. The very ground beneath their feet quivered as an enormous, intricate machine hidden within the temple's depths awoke with a thunderous rumble. It was a relic from a long-forgotten civilization, and its purpose remained a mystery to all who had come across it. The machine, composed of ancient glowing crystals and adorned with mystic symbols, began to emit a pulsating energy that resonated through the temple. The walls themselves seemed to shudder as if reacting to the awakening monstrosity. Unearthly whispers grew louder, and the temperature in the chamber plummeted even further. Momentarily united by their shared astonishment and concern, they cast wary glances at the colossal machine, wondering what ancient powers it might unleash. As the machine continued to stir, it emitted a blinding, radiant light that enveloped the chamber. The very air seemed to vibrate with ethereal energy, causing ripples in the fabric of reality itself. Suddenly, the machine's purpose became apparent. It projected a holographic image in the air, displaying cryptic symbols and an enigmatic message in an ancient language. 
Frico and his opponents strained to decipher the message, but it remained an incomprehensible riddle. Before they could make sense of the message, the machine emitted a powerful shockwave, knocking both Frico and the onset brute to the ground. It was as if the machine had intervened in their duel, seeking to deliver its own inscrutable message, or perhaps guarding some long-forgotten secret within the temple. As the shockwave subsided, the colossal machine began to power down. Its glow faded, and the eerie whispers receding. Frico and Ayapato, now disoriented and bewildered, were left to contemplate the strange interruption of their duel. Seeing the distance between them, Frico seized his chance and fired both pistols. Ayapato let out a gaspy groan and stopped moving. More than half of his eyes were closed and the rest grew dim. Frico took some solace from this encounter and that he had done his own part to stifle the arms trade on Utah. Leaving the temple, the frozen wasteland stretched endlessly before him, a treacherous sea of ice and jagged rocks. A wayward thought occurred to him that had been delayed by vengeance and self-preservation. If Kamanos could sweat, he would have started. Frico's ship, the sleek and formidable Star Chaser, was parked under a butte closer to Storm's Rest. It was a state-of-the-art vessel, equipped with advanced weaponry and cloaking technology, making it a formidable tool in his trade. But it was also his lifeline in this desolate place, and he couldn't afford to take any chances. He had to make sure that the Trade Alliance scout hadn't sabotaged anything to stop his departure. Things would get even more tense once he found Ishik Prey, and he would have to make a hasty exit. As he trudged through the unforgiving terrain, Frico's thoughts raced. He knew that lots of faction agents, or even locals, were cunning and resourceful, capable of sabotage and traps. He couldn't rule out the possibility that his ship had been tampered with during his searching, and he needed to make sure it was still in working condition. After what felt like weeks of battling the elements, Frico finally reached where the Star Chaser was parked. He approached the sleek spacecraft with caution, scanning it for any signs of tampering. Every panel, every circuit, was meticulously inspected. Relief washed over him as he found no signs of sabotage. The ship appeared to be in pristine condition. Inside, he let his guard down and caught up on some sleep on his own bed. When he awoke, he noticed that something familiar was missing. His dog tags from his days in the Imperial Navy. The lone guard standing outside Ice Flow must have been a new recruit. Her voice was barely a squeak as she threatened the Kamano bounty hunter. First day. How did you know? Have you ever met a nomad before? I have. Wait. Yeah. Oh. She took a step back. You know, I actually owe my life to one of your guild. The man-eater killed the bastard that murdered my twin. Hmm. Frico nodded as he passed her. You're not the only nomad in Iceflow today, by the way. She called after him. Frico stopped in his tracks. A few minutes later, he pushed through the vestibule for a hole-in-the-wall bar and was greeted by the warm dankness standard for refugees on Utah. As Frico pushed through the noisy crowd, he suddenly felt a tenseness in the air. It was as if the very atmosphere in the room had grown heavy. He turned to see a familiar face seated at the bar. It was Itsuki Ish, another nomad. The last time they had crossed paths, Frico had filched a high-value bounty from right under Itsuki's nose, earning a lifelong grudge from the rival hunter. Their eyes locked, and there was no need for words. The bad blood between them had simmered for too long, and tonight it would come to a head. Other patrons of the bar quickly sensed the tension and began to make way, forming a ring around the two hunters. The low hum of conversation ceased, replaced by an expectant hush. 
Frico, ever the quick draw, reached for the blaster holstered at his side. Itsuki mirrored his move, and the room was bathed in a dull blue glow as the laser pistols hummed to life. In a flash, they drew their weapons and fired, the bar momentarily illuminated by the fiery streaks of energy bolts. The duel raged on, each hunter using the bar's furniture and patrons as cover. They dodged and weaved, trading shots that scorched the surroundings. Glasses shattered, tables flipped, and patrons dove for cover as the two hunters fought with relentless determination. It was a battle of skill and wits, and though Itsuki proved to be a formidable adversary, Friko had the upper hand. He had anticipated Itsuki's moves and managed to disarm him, sending his blaster flying across the room. With a victorious smirk, Friko approached his fallen rival, keeping his blaster trained on him. The patrons watched in silence as Friko's finger hovered over the trigger. But then, unexpectedly, he holstered his weapon. Friko's voice crawled through the surprisingly silent room. I'm not a killer, Itsuki. You're not worth it. And the Nomad Guild Code applies to both of us. On the ground and defeated, Itsuki grunted in pain but nodded in acknowledgement of Friko's mercy. The tension in the room began to dissipate as Friko turned and walked away, leaving Itsuki to pick up the pieces of his pride and reputation. As he made his way through the crowd, he didn't even notice the Mirian reach into his pocket. It wasn't until he heard the familiar jingle as he stepped up to the bar that Friko sensed something else was amiss. He reached in and pulled out the chain that had been planted there. His chain. Friko's teeth were on edge as he looked at one of his dog tags. Its twin was conspicuously missing, and its place was a small, handwritten note. The Icebreaker. Midday. Tickets to the only functioning hover train on the planet were prohibitively expensive, so Frico was not thrilled to have to fork out his own money for this mysterious meeting. Most of the passengers stayed within the properly climatized train cars, but the Nomad knew that this type of clandestine negotiation would better be served in one of the cargo cars, or one of the open-air flat cars, to minimize potential collateral damage. Those passenger cars sure looked comfortable, though. The word was an echo in Frico's mind, but it wasn't his own thought. Out here. The ice storm the hover train was passing through would have been deadly to anyone if they had been outside the slipstream. The outside edges of the flat car bore the brunt of any air and ice pieces. A lone figure stood in the middle of the car. Beneath the flowing robes, the prehensile tail protruding from the back of their Atmos suit was a dead giveaway that this mysterious interloper was a talic. Frico took some solace in knowing that their reptilian body wasn't faring much better than his own on Utah. Warm steam puffed out of the ornate mask and quickly whipped behind them. Look how far you've fallen, the voice in his head crooned. Do we know each other? I know you. I'm a nomad. A better one. Goyo Savako. More arrogant for sure. You're here for Isha Capre. Easy now. You have a flyboy. A gust blew aside the nomad's robes again and gave Frico a quick chance to size up his opponent's weapons of choice. A brutal-looking shock rifle and an electro-staff. The buzzing in his head also told him that this nomad had been trained by the Mystic Order and was extremely dangerous. The rebreather beneath Goyo's mask took a prolonged gasp. The distant landscape blurred into streaks of color as the metal beast snaked through the barren terrain. Goyo slowly reached into the flowing robes, pulling out a thin piece of metal. Even across the flat car, he recognized his lost dog tag. That doesn't belong to you. Doesn't belong to you either. 
How long has it been since you were court-martialed? Tell you what, though. Senators pay well when they want to assure some nepotism is successful. The girl that took over your squad is a captain now. He gripped his laser pistols tightly. As I've said, I've been in this game for a while, Lelay. And yet you, in particular, keep coming into my crosshairs. Time to pull the trigger. Goyo could prove to be formidable. Mystic warriors were known to read thoughts, manipulate emotions, and predict his opponent's every move. Frico would need every ounce of his wits and cunning to outsmart Goyo. The tension on the flat car was palpable. Frico's senses were on high alert, and he could feel the faintest trace of Goyo's presence in his mind. It was a mental tug of war, a battle of wills that played out silently between them. Without a word, the battle began. Frico fired his laser pistol, sending beams of energy lancing through the frigid air. Goyo dodged the deadly beams. The hover train rocked and swayed beneath them, adding to the chaos of the battle. Sparks flew as laser blasts collided with the train's metal structure, and the howling winds droned over the sound of their struggle. Goyo's rifle fired off rounds with an unsettling baritone resonance compared to his pistols. The battle raged on, neither Frico nor Goyo giving an inch. With a sudden burst of inspiration, Frico fired a well-placed shot that severed a critical control cable on the hover train. The result was catastrophic. The hover train systems malfunctioned, sending it careening off course. Panic spread amongst the passengers as alarms blared and the train's brakes screeched in protest. Seizing the opportunity, Frico fired one final shot, disarming Goyo. With the threat neutralized, Frico approached his defeated rival. Their eyes locked once more, but this time there was a flicker of understanding in Goyo's gaze. The train's alarms continued to wail as it slowly corrected itself back onto its course. Your sister is looking for you. Another gasp from the respirator, another puff of steam. What? What? Not a lot of Mystic Order trained nomads in the guild. Alara, she misses you, and she's making a lot of mistakes to find you. Frico could have sworn he saw a flash of sentiment behind the mask. He holstered his pistols. I ran into her in ice flow. Could have ended her right there. She needs guidance, Goyo. What's in it for you? He rubbed under his eye patch. I knew a human once that used to call it paying it forward. The Kamano bounty hunter turned his back and walked towards one of the passenger cars. As he felt the warmth from inside wash over him, Goyo's voice purred inside his mind. You should swing by TA-422. Maybe head north afterwards. He looked back to tip his hat, but the flat car was empty. of the derelict freighter echoed with feverish chatter as Frico entered TA-422. He couldn't help but notice the diverse group of inhabitants gathered, including several insectoid beings that seemed adapted to the planet's harsh conditions. Their exoskeletal bodies and multifaceted eyes were a testament to their resilience. One such insectoid citizen approached Frico as he took in the local gathering. Its chittering mandibles conveyed a sense of urgency. Frico raised an eyebrow curious about what the creature wanted. The insectoid spoke in a series of clicks and chirps, its message translated through a small device. You're a nomad. Please. It implored. You must help me leave this world. I cannot endure the endless cold and isolation any longer. I came here to tend to the victims of the war, but found only murders and murderers. 
Frico considered the request. He knew that leaving Utah was no small feat, especially for someone as unique as the insectoid. All right, Frico replied, but I've got business to attend to first. I'm about to step into a fight that could get messy. If I make it out in one piece, we have a deal. You help me heal up, if necessary, and then we leave this frozen rock together. The insectoid's mandibles quivered with excitement, a clear sign of agreement. It had found a glimmer of hope in the form of the intergalactic bounty hunter. Frico couldn't help but admire the resilience and determination of this unlikely ally. I am called Akaki Akash. The voice chirped. Frico Lele, I'm heading north to wrap up some business. If I make it back, there's a seat on the Star Chaser for you. Nakaki made a gesture that Frico was unfamiliar with, but he nodded in return nonetheless. The moonlight casts an eerie glow over the sprawling ruins of the gigantic crashed starship. Its skeletal remains jutted out of the ground like the bones of some ancient seafaring beast. As Frico cautiously made his way through the wreckage, he spotted someone in the distance picking through the ruins. She was bathed in the dim artificial light of a makeshift lantern. Her figure silhouetted against the massive ship's twisted metal. Her presence seemed incongruous with this haunting landscape, like a ghost haunting the wreckage of a long-lost world. Frico approached her cautiously, his hand resting on the grip of his pistol. The figure stood to face Frico as he drew near. Her expression was a mix of determination and weariness. Silva stepped into the column of moonlight, revealing herself. Frico's mind raced and his grip tightened. Her quick, mischievous smile only stoked the maelstrom of his thoughts. She clicked one of her talismans and the illusion faded. He had found her. But before Frico could demand answers, Isha spoke, her voice carrying a hint of desperation. You've been here long enough to see how the locals are treated, she said, her words tinged with regret. I'm not here for personal gain or power. I do what I can to save the people of this planet from being crushed underfoot. Frico's brow furrowed. The galaxy was filled with those who claimed noble intentions while pursuing their own hidden agendas. But before Frico could respond, Isha made her move. With lightning speed, she lunged at him, her combat skills honed through years of guerrilla warfare. The clash was swift and brutal, the moonlight reflecting off their weapons as they traded blows amongst the wreckage of the starship. To Frico's surprise, Isha's agility and combat prowess were unmatched. She fought with a ferocity and determination that left him on the defensive, her blows landing with precision, and it became clear she was not merely trying to escape, but to defeat him. In a final, decisive strike, Isha disarmed Frico and sent him sprawling to the ground. She stood over him, victorious, but not triumphant, her breath heavy from the intense battle. I'm sorry it had to come to this, she said, her tone filled with regret. But I couldn't let you stop me. The lives of countless innocents and freedom of everyone on Utah are at stake. Isha shot him a determined glare before she turned to leave. She had proven her point bested and it was clear she didn't want to kill him. However, Frico used her moment of honor against her and seized the opportunity. With a swift movement, he produced the electric baton from his belt and stunned Isha before she could escape. She fell to the ground with an echoing thump. Frico wasn't proud of his tactics, but wasted no time. He secured Isha and began the arduous trek back to his ship. The frozen planet's desolation seemed even more imposing as he made his way through the ruins, carrying his captive. It was going to be a long trek to the Star Chaser, but with each step, he pondered Isha's words, wondering if there was more to her story than he had initially thought. 
The two adversaries, now bound by circumstance, would have plenty of time to discuss their conflicting perspectives and the truth of Isha's mission, as they were bound for the Trade Alliance station in orbit and left the cold, unforgiving world of Utah behind. things that appealed to me about Notorious when I decided to start playing tabletop RPGs, let alone solo tabletop RPGs, is it's truly immersive. It has all the stakes laid out. It has the different paradigms laid out, and you have such a variety of bounty hunters that you can pick from. Um, In point of fact, I know that there is an expansion out in the wild now or coming soon. Something along those lines, and I'm really invested and interested in coming back to either visit Frico Lillet or create a whole new bounty hunter and explore more. Because not everything takes place on Utah. There are multiple, multiple planets. And I haven't really looked into the expansion that much other than knowing that it's out there. Because, I don't know, I'm worried about spoiling some new things for me. So, uh, yeah, if you've already... If you've already gone out and played it yourself, go ahead and let me know how it is. I'm interested. I'm definitely going to play it on my own. Whether I come back to this or start over new or do another arc uh, for the podcast, we'll see how that shapes up. Um, But yeah, stoked. As you might have picked up, one of the mechanics of the game is to explore an area in an effort to find leads about tracking down your target. And that the primary loop of the game is broken up into two aspects, exploration and then interactions at destinations. All the while processing and going through to try and find leads on your target, which leads to showdowns with uh potential leads, and then finally a showdown with your target. Along the way, you're able to interact with hostile people in different ways. You can fight them, you can recruit them, you can try to talk your way out of it. There's a great many uh, possibilities of solution, and it's up to the player at that point. And that's one of the things that really appealed to me was you don't have to shoot your way out of everything, but the more you get around on this planet where you're searching for things, the more notorious you become plug, plug, plug. And that consequently means that your interactions are going to become more difficult and you may have to shoot your way out of more things or, um, you know, it, it does allow for some creativity, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you're becoming more and more of a badass, So you have to defend yourself a little bit more. It's a great game. I want you to go out there and pick it up for yourself. So, uh, and yeah, tell me, tell me the story of what happened with your bounty hunter. I'm interested to see if you're going to end up on Utah or one of the other planets and you don't necessarily need to be a gunslinger like Frico is. There are multiple other types or archetypes of bounty hunter that you can play as. I'm interested to see how those shake out. Thank you again for listening to Your Story Will Be Different. This podcast is a lot of fun and I hope that 
you're enjoying it as much as I am. Again, the best way to help out the podcast right now is to tell people about it. Nobody knows about it right now, so you're getting in on the ground floor. You can also subscribe to make sure you don't miss a single episode. I'm aiming to put them out every two weeks and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps get word out besides word of mouth. And it also feeds into the algorithm, which I do not understand at this point. If you're interested in reaching out, the X formerly known as Twitter account, is your TTRPG. And let me know what games you're interested in playing and what you thought of the episodes. For our next game, I'm jumping into Alone Amongst the Stars, which is a super chill exploratory game that I'm weaving some narrative threads through. It was a lot of fun to come up with this story, and I can't wait for you to hear it. As always, there's a link to the game in the show notes. Feel free to check it out for yourself, but remember, your story will be different.